Do you have a schedule in place? Do you need help getting one in place or maybe rearranging it or making it work a little bit more efficiently? Well, hopefully some of these tips will help. Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life with never ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Hello, friends. Today, we are going to be talking about the importance of making a schedule, how to make a schedule, and some time management tips to keep on schedule. So. If you know me, I'm a chaos coordinator. I like organization, order. I love me a schedule. I am a very orderly person. I stick with the same routine if I can. I do not like to move off of one. I think it's super important. However, at the same time, being flexible when necessary and not be so rigid. And I used to be very, very rigid and I used to get a lot of crap from my mom about it because most moms are good about, you know, setting you straight. And I just had to kind of relinquish a little bit of control when it comes to being rigid with it. But for the most part, I like to have a schedule and a sense of system of how things go. So making a schedule is very important. We'll start off with making a schedule, having a routine, and the importance to stick with it. It will help you and your family operate on an autopilot, so to speak. And the importance of structure for children, I cannot stress enough. I have three young kiddos. They're six and under. Structure is key. They like to know what's coming. They like predictability. They do not like like the ebb and flow when it comes to when they're, when they're young, they like to know what's happening. It helps them and their little brains prepare. And if you have a structure in place for them, it will take down the tantrums, the anxiety, and it will actually help calm your environment a little bit better than just kind of flying by the seat of your pants. And knowing what comes next for children is key. My oldest was speech delayed. He didn't start talking till close to four years old. And when I say not talking, like not talking, zero words, mama, dada, no, nothing. And of course, as a parent and a first time parent at that, I, I had nothing to compare it to, right? All you do is think the worst, especially with, the, with Google, right? You Google, it's cancer or there's something wrong with you, right? And you're scared. I never thought I would ever hear him say mom. And it, it like crushed me. I mean, he had a voice and he knew everything I said. And if I told him to go do something, he would go do it, you know, without, you know, unless he was being, you know, 
you know what. And that was a really scary thing. And we did very intense speech therapy for about a year and a half to the point where we were going three times a week. And maybe it was a little extreme, but you know what? We started, actually, I take that back. It was two and a half years because he started when he was two. And he didn't start talking till four. And then he was full on okay at four and a half, right? It just like exploded. And they all say, right, you hear this all the time is don't worry, it'll come. Don't worry, it'll come. You won't be able to shut them up, which is true in my case. Now, not for everyone is, is that going to be true. But in my case, fortunately, it was him, I think, that has a little bit more of a perfectionist characteristic and I think what happened is when I, you know, when someone starts, cause he did start to, and then he stopped. And I feel like when, you know, like with anything new, you ask them to say things or can you say Apple? No, say it like this, Apple. I think because he was being corrected so much. And of course this is theory. There's no science behind this. But this is my theory that he, he lost his self-confidence he was intimidated and just decided if he couldn't do it right the first time, he wasn't going to do it at all. So I feel like he just kind of gave up on talking because he didn't want to be corrected or he had anxiety about doing it wrong. Because later on we saw like if he couldn't do like write the letter A the first time the right way, he'd give up and be crying and very upset and disappointed with himself and say he couldn't do it. And I feel like that's kind of where my theory came from. I bet I just overcorrected him because I'm a new mom and just want to help overbearing, of course. Right. And got a little self-conscious and just stopped. So what ended anyway, so basically what ended up happening is our speech therapist recommended doing a visual schedule with him because we were dealing with temper tantrums and we were dealing with these like episodes of him throwing himself, literally like throwing himself face down on a tile floor. How that child did not hurt himself is beyond me, but he would just throw himself and be super frustrated. And it was frustrating for me. It was frustrating for him because we couldn't communicate. And so she said, why don't we do a visual calendar? And for those of you who don't know what that is, it's a series of pictures that show what the next steps are going to be throughout your day or throughout a sequence. So what I did is I went around the house and took pictures of everything, shoes, bathtub, the stairs, things that he physically used that day. And I had them laminated and I punched holes and I put it on this like one single ring and I had an upstairs set and a downstairs set. And I, had two. Okay. I had one upstairs and downstairs set upstairs and then the same downstairs. So I didn't have to go back and forth and I would have him either find it on the ring to tell me what he wanted because he knew what he wanted, just couldn't voice it. That was extremely helpful because he saw the actual pictures and not like a clip art from on the computer, which it also helps, but I decided to do actual photos And it also gave me the ability with it being on the ring. I also put Velcro on the back and put it on the front of a hard cover binder and put like the sequence. So when he got up in the morning, toothbrush, clothes, shoes, stairs, cereal, car, school. And he could see the sequence and know and every time we were going to move to the next thing, I would just say, okay, well, this is what we're going to do. And it, it helped 
a lot with him being able to see. And it was a constant thing every day. And it became predictable. And the transition was better. And the tantrums were less. And he wasn't throwing himself on the floor as much. And then, of course, when he started talking, we didn't have to do it. But it, a visual calendar is huge, especially with a schedule. If they can't read a calendar, that's the best way to do it is just the photos. So I recommend that. And so with that being said, having a calendar or some sort of system in place, it's also a form of family communication. Family communication is very important, especially if you have lots of family members because everyone's schedule is different. And as they get older, everyone's busy. Everyone's going in different directions. Everyone needs a ride. Everyone needs to be here or there. And if your household is like my household, I'm the only one home. So I'm the one who has to carpool this, that, the other, right? And so with my husband and when he plans his travel, I will give him important dates and be like, do not travel this week because uh, this, 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 and this is happening and there's just no way. Or at the time when we had help and a sitter to help me, well, she's can't work these days and my mom can't come to help me. So I really need you here. So please don't plan any meetings if you don't have to. And just having that communication. So holding a family meeting once a week to kind of get everyone on the same page, understand what's popped up, use a wall calendar, use an app, color code it to the point where like everyone has its own color, everyone has the access so everyone can see. Like my children know that like my daughter is purple and my son is green and my other son is blue. And so when they see those colors on those days and we point to it, they'll know that there's something individual for them on that day. And so a wall calendar is very helpful. It takes the excuse away. I hated it when my husband would schedule something when I asked him not to, or it was on the calendar and he'd be like, I didn't know. Well, that calendar is for you to check. So before you do something. So I learned and adapted that that was not the best strategy for him and I to communicate. So we changed it, but that was the purpose of it. So again, you also have to adapt. If it doesn't work, you got to find another, you know, another way. And so email was my way. I would email him and say, you know, do not, right? And another way that you can also do the color coding if you don't have colored markers or you have a million different colors for different things and it's going to look like a rainbow throw up on your calendar, then try sticky notes. You know, they all come in different colors. And you can reuse the events, like say soccer practice is twice a week and it's always Tuesday and Thursday at 5.30 to 7. And it's for the same kid. And you know that that's going to repeat. So you put them on there and then you reuse them. And you'll have to rewrite it so you're not reinventing the wheel every time. And you can take it off and they're removable. So once that day has passed, you can take it off so it less clutter visually, or you can put it on like your kid's mirror to remind them, you know, so things like that you can implement. And then when you are looking at a schedule and trying to coordinate time, you want to also tame activities, right? Kids want to do it all, or maybe some parents want their kids to do it all. 
well, there's only so much time and so much bandwidth without feeling burnt out. And speaking from experience, I was that kid. I was doing so many things every single day until I went to college. And even when I was in college, I would take more hours than I really needed to and took on multiple jobs. And I was trying to be an athlete, all the things, right? So that is how I am wired, which is why I think when I left the corporate world, I needed to get into something to keep my brain going and busy because it's just, it's not in me just to sit at home and be a mom. It's just not in me. Some people and some women can do that. And I just, I can't function that way. I love being a mom. It's a role that I'm proud to, to, to play, but it doesn't identify me. Then that's me. And I like to have my brain and I like to have a sense of purpose and it gives me a drive to sell something or have a purpose or talk about something that I'm passionate about and have human interaction other than my children or sit at home by myself while my kids are are at school and my husband's on the road and I don't want to cook and clean all day. I like to do it because it's fun. I don't want to be a job and then feel like I don't like my career anymore. And then you get down in the dumps and you find yourself in a low spot. And I've been there before and I never want to go back to that space. And I know there's a lot of people that are listening to this right now and you are in that space. You can dig yourself out of it. You just have to take the step to first want to and then say to yourself, I am going to change it. What do I need to do to do that? So when I was a kid, I played soccer. I was a dancer till the age of 16, where then I did have to choose between soccer and ballet. And I chose soccer because I wanted to go after it for a scholarship for for college. And so it, it came to a point where I had to choose and I just couldn't do it because I was also a violinist. I played violin from when I was 10 years old and I played in competitive orchestras and we did competitions and it was also a class. So I had to make good grades and I try to be a straight A student and, you know, I was raised by a teacher. So I never missed a day of school. I was that kid. I had perfect attendance from kindergarten to senior year. Yeah, I know it's annoying. And I was willing to skip school or, or sneak into school like a month before high school graduation because I was super sick. I was, I had bronchitis. I didn't have a fever. I wasn't contagious, but I had bronchitis, laryngitis. We had regionals coming up for soccer. And I just was like, I am not missing. And my, of course, my parents, you know, made the the house call to the doctor at midnight. And she's like, no. And I said, I'm going to sneak out of the house to go to school because I just want to be able to put that thing on my resume. Sick, (laughs) sick. Sick. I mean, it's it's a great accomplishment. I can finally say it. Thinking it was going to get me somewhere, it really didn't. And now that I'm raising my children, I kind of like want to. I find the anxiety is there. Like my son was sick last year, one day, and I was so anxious that he was missing that day of school, and it was kindergarten. Nothing's going to happen to him and it will not affect his life and outcome if he misses one day of school. I did not have that mentality 
And so I'm really trying hard to kind of let that go. It's very difficult for me, but you only live once. You're only a kid once. And so if you want to, if you need to stay home because you're sick, you should. Because I get upset when someone sends their kid to school sick. So I guess I shouldn't be that parent, right? So <laughs> practice what you preach. And that's a, a learning lesson as a parent. And so taming activities is, is a big deal because you spread yourself so thin. I had friends growing up. I had my activities. I had my teammates. I had my peers. But did I really have like a set group of friends? Not really until later when I dropped dance and made myself some time on the weekends and things to do. And it's really important to make sure that you don't spread yourself too thin because when my, my schedule would become, and my sister, I have a sister, and she was just as busy. And we streamlined our, our activities to make it work for our family because my dad traveled for business. My mom worked full-time teacher and we had to make it work until my dad started working from home in the corporate world. And when we played soccer, we played on the same team. She played up a year. We played on the same team to kind of streamline it because it was competitive sports and you were always playing every weekend. You practiced twice a week. My orchestra that I was in, we practiced twice a week because I was in orchestra and full orchestra, which was with the band. And then I had ballet and I had two to three, uh, I had a class two to three times a week, depending on what I was doing. So I was going from school to soccer, to dance, to home, to do homework and start all over again. And then when I was older, it was some days it was school, orchestra, soccer practice at school, then another soccer practice for my competitive league. And then I had to go to dance class and then I had another soccer practice. Oh, and by the way, I still have homework to do. So it was a lot. Now I was a kid and that was all I knew. Now that I'm a parent, gosh, that sounds exhausting until I was 16 and could drive myself to these things. So make sure that you're realistic in your activities when you were thinking about all the things. And just because your child is enrolled in something doesn't mean they want to be there or that they like it. So it's really important to check in with them to make sure that it's something that they like to do. And that you're not also pressing your own ambition on your child, which is a whole nother story, right? And you just want to make sure that you're not spinning, they're not spinning wheels on things that either are not making them happy and is also creating tension and inconvenience. And you're working harder and not smarter. And you want to reverse that. And you also want to make sure that you're giving everyone an opportunity to have some family time, some time to themselves and not be go, go, go. And some people like that. I was like that. I still am like that. I think it's just like I'm built that way, but not everyone is built the same. I have three kids, like I said, and they're all different. Every single one of them is different. I have the brainiac kid. I don't think he'll be a sports kid. I tried. He's going to be one of those kids that's coding or doing chess. He's really into bugs. You know, my daughter is very strong-willed. She'll be a CEO one day, raising one, not so fun at times, stubborn, but she's very confident. 
And then my youngest, he's a goofball, but also very serious, but also goofy at the same time. And three nature all the way. Can you hear me, moms, with those three-year-olds? Woo! Three going on 13. And it's difficult, and they're not going to be into the same things. They're just not. And I need to be realistic when they do start getting into activities. We started to before pandemic, and it was manageable. And then everything kind of stopped. And I'm waiting for the day where we can start getting into things again. And I did streamline them to where they were doing the kind of the same things at the same time, which is a good thing and a bad thing because I feel like, in my opinion, if you don't give them their own activities, they, they feel like they, they maybe lose their individuality a little bit and they want to feel like the star. Or I could be projecting. It could be another thing. And my last bit of advice when doing a schedule is you – should watch your time. If you're working, there's time blocks out there that you can block off time and you should stick to it pretty rigidly to keep your productivity up, make sure that you're keeping on track of everything that you want to do. But a little bit of a tip would be to wear a watch and have your kids wear a watch. And whether that be digital or the other way around, you want to wear a watch. And a tip is to not use your, your phone for many different reasons. So the time thing is that you can physically see how much time is passing. So that way you can set a time limit, say 20 minutes to get a task done, and then you're able to become more productive. And it, the second thing is that if you're not using your phone, you're not getting distracted and or sucked in to email, social media, the notifications on your phone, you know, so if you don't have that at your fingertips to where like you're trying to check something and something pops up on your screen, your, your mind and your productivity just goes completely by the wayside because you're, you know, you just got cut off with like an email that came over that you've been waiting on, but you weren't going to, you know, use this time for that. And it would help, you know, staying on task. You can use like a gaming, like sand hourglass. If you have like a game in your house and you don't want to wear a watch, maybe you're not a watch wearer, but you need a way to like watch the time and you don't want to set a timer. You can use like the little sand things. It's really great for kids because they love it. Just don't want them to flip it over and mess around with it, right? Because that defeats the purpose of keeping time, but it's something fun and it'll kind of say like, well, you know, this, you know, this, it's a visual, another visual for them if they can't tell time and they don't know numbers. Well, look, the sand's almost, you know, done. So we only have a little bit more time. It's also great for transitions as well. You could use, you know, you have five more minutes. So when the sand runs out, we are going to now move on to this activity. So that's another way that you can kind of keep on schedule and kind of time manage a little bit better and kind of streamline your home and kind of calm it down a little bit because everyone wants to calm the chaos in their home and in life. So I hope you guys like these tips. Let me know how they go. If you try any, I would love to know. Reach out to me on social media. Shoot me an email. All of my information's on the website and I would love to know how you liked it. So 
until next week, you guys have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.